Hello, hello, my Web3 friends, and welcome to another episode of Behind the PFP, a podcast dedicated to exploring the vibrant personalities and captivating stories of Web3. My goal here is to fortify the Azuki community by serving as a conduit for the insights shared by our guests. Today, we explore the life of YR Nick by diving into his background and what he's built in this space and what he continues to build in this space. He's built Crypto Club, a subscription-based community focused on learning and executing trades within crypto. And more recently, he's currently working on Retro Hunters, a strategy-based game using Web3 innovations. Nick is a well-spoken young man, and I hope you enjoy this episode where we focus a lot on Web3 gaming and the industry as a whole. As a disclaimer, this episode was recorded before Zuki Vegas and before the minting of Retro Hunters. So with that, let's jump right into it. started recording yet it's it's kind of insane yeah. uh yeah I mean, so I'm willing I mean, to, don't worry i'm down to repeat whatever whatever okay, you want sounds good yeah so you, you asked why i do these podcasts and it's pretty simple i mean i love being able to talk to other people and be curious about what they do because i mean you've seen it web3 is yeah. just full it's just like a melting pot of so many different backgrounds and experiences i mean you're 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 6 you, you were 16 years old when you started this and then now you're 18 years old like yeah. that is just that is <laughs> insane you know like this, you're the youngest guy i've had on this podcast so <laughs> i'm oh dude i i have some i have some questions that are bubbling up of just course. related to your experience at such a young age and in such a, a big, expansive universe of Web3, because, I mean, it's 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 quite far reaching, but I mean, it, it is still a small, small space. So you 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 have the ability to make an impact and it doesn't matter about your age. That's the beauty of it. Oh, yeah, it's been it's been really dope. I'd, I'd never I mean, up until recently, I was kind of always like not necessarily afraid but i sometimes saw it as like an obstacle mm -hmm. but then i realized i was like all right i'm just not really going to brandish it right and, and i'm just gonna let what i produce and how i market myself and what products i create and everything in between that like i'll let that speak for itself and then naturally you know it comes up in conversations just like how it did right there or like if i'm talking to someone i'm like yo like i can't get into this venue like i'm not 21 they're like oh like how old are you and then i'll say it and they're like wait what like i don't i <laughs> so that happens often like a, doesn't it yes <laughs> it's a it's a fun it's a fun mic to drop always like i one experience specifically i was i went to 3xp a around like a week or so ago which is like mm -hmm. a gaming web3 gaming convention convention in la and i met Sash, who's the founder of Dimensionals, it's like a it's like a big gaming mm, company, yes. uh, Web three gaming company, and like I'm talking to him, talking to him, and in this case, it kind of worked not necessarily in like in my in my advantage, but I was like talking about what I'm doing, and it kind of felt like his guard was up a little bit. We start talking a little more, and I mentioned like, oh, like this game that you're making is really similar to this game that I used to play a lot when I was from like when I was like 10 to 15 years old, like it took up my life. And he kind of was like, he sat there, he's like, wait, like, how old are you? Because that game, I guess, came out like in the last decade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, like, I'm 18. And he went, like, it completely switched the dynamic of the conversation. It went from, like, him looking at me, I guess, of, like, more of, like, competition and someone who's, 
you know, been through the, the works <laughs> yeah. a bunch of times to like, dude, this is so sick. Let's work together. I'd love to connect you to my venture capital introduction. Like all this stuff. Yes, it was like yeah. super, super dope. So it's like a double-edged sword, but most of the time it's, it's really beneficial. Well, the thing that I've seen is that age really doesn't matter in this space because you know, you, you see someone do their work, whatever they're building. And even in this conversation that you're referring to, you guys are just having a, a good conversation about gaming related NFTs, I imagine, yeah. and the space itself. But you, you don't even have to talk about your age and they can just respect you for what you're talking about, what what you know about, you know, exactly. and it's really, it's really exciting to to hear that, oh, you know, I'm I'm 18 years old because because there's so many possibilities. Yeah. To be able to hear someone who is young in the space, thriving and just ha- and has a passion to build, that is amazing. And I I could I could resonate with that because if I if I heard someone say that to me and and I have, I have I have some good friends like um I, I'm sure you've talked to Swan, yeah. uh who who are just young, but their minds just work a different way. You guys ha- are the are basically the future right? You guys are the future of Web3 and you're ingraining yourself in this space. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's crazy. That's crazy to me. So I would be excited. Like, of course, I mean, you can bring in the good ideas, but you get to tap into people who have experiences outside of what you might have, right? So yeah. it's really, really cool to see that and really cool to see that you're building and you want to build. So that's something we're going to talk about and get into a little bit later on. But Bef- let's let's rewind. Let's okay. rewind, and I want to start at your life, you know, outside of Web three. And I want you, in your own words, tr- how, like how would you want to portray yourself? This is this is seriously like our first time really getting to yeah. know each other. So I want to I want to know a little about your background, and I want everyone to kind of hear how you sort of grew up in your life. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. First off, I'm Wire Nick, Nicholas Motamity, whatever. Grew up my whole life in Los Angeles, kind of switching between schools and cities. Prior to anything, you know, as I said previously, prior to anything entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. my main focus was always kind of just like school, 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 Middle Eastern. So engraved at a young age was always just like, go oh, become a surgeon, become a, you know, brain surgeon, plastic surgeon, whatever it may be, right? Because it's like, it's like a safe outcome. And, you know, there's a direct path to achieving it, which I think is something that's like, was really engraved into me at it from a young age, but I, I I don't know exactly what it was that kind of made me steer off. There 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 are definitely a bunch of things that I can reference. Whether it was like you know growing up in areas where I was kind of like a ethnic minority, kind of had to deal with you know a little bit of mm-hmm. not necessarily fitting in at times throughout that. That definitely helped build a lot of my my character from a young age. Whether it was you know just in like building friends, trusting people wanting to like strive to do more to prove myself kind of that like chip on your shoulder mentality i was talking to alex lynn about that a while ago too and he was like yeah that's that's like kind of what helps fuel me and like a lot of other people that i know so definitely think that is a big part in my personality today but yeah i mean one hobby that actually got me into entrepreneurship specifically was cars i've always been a (laughs) freak about cars love cars sports cars luxury cars whatever it may be i can tell by your timeline (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly so literally from a young age i was always just like my friends were getting cool cars i was seeing these cool cars because we're we're in like a i live in like somewhat of like a, a wealthier neighborhood so these kids that are my age 
you know, their parents are buying them like twenty, thirty thousand dollar cars, and like this is like mm, the norm. Yeah. So I kind of really grew up around that nature, and then you know, grew up playing racing games, shooters, everything, games, cars, and school was like everything when I was. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Literally everything. <laughs> which is which is a lot for you know a sixteen year old or however old you were back then. It's just, that's yeah. it. You know, that's that's as much as your mind can really <laughs> pay attention to, really. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, girls wasn't my, girls weren't really coming my way up until recently. So <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't taking away too much. So yeah, like from like ages 14 to like 15, it was just like all those things. And then COVID hit and it kind of switched it up and it went just just really like cars and then gaming started to shift to more so of just like opportunities online. But it all sh- it all formed out of that same kind of like enthusiasm for cars. I got to the age where I was like getting my permit. I want I wanted to go car shopping, like figure out what I wanted. And it's like so funny how simple it was looking back. My dad's like, all right, you have this much of a budget. And I was like, dude, everything I want is like this much enough. He's like, okay, make the money and go get it. And I was like, okay. So like, I like, yeah, I was like, all right, let me figure this out. So a friend of mine, like used to resell shoes. I was always like engraved in that, like kind of like culture of, of reselling and hype. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily call it fashion because at that time, you know, it was like eighth grade me wearing a Supreme t-shirt and thinking (laughs) I was like hot shit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of found it easy into that. And that was my first kind of taste of entrepreneurship slash, you know, self-employment in a sense. I started reselling shoes, camping out at shoe stores when I was like 15 years old, making, you know, 30, 50 bucks and being like super hyped up with it. But, you know, a lot of that in-person kind of opportunities were really dry for me since I didn't have a car. I'd have to go with someone who was already going or it was just like kind of a mess. So yeah, I, I started joining kind of like online communities through Discord and Twitter. And that's where I kind of really started to grow my personal presence in kind of that world. That led to that's that's honestly when stuff really started to snowball. It would go from me maybe, you know, making a couple hundred bucks here and there every once in a while, every other week to like consistently buying shoes, finding opportunities. And it was really just super, super, super similar to Web3 culture, right? There are high demand assets that a mm-hmm. lot of people wanted. And a lot of people couldn't get, so they're willing to pay premium. And that was literally just every single thing that I would be involved with starting from 15 years old and onwards. So it started off with shoes. Then I got into softwares that were meant for buying shoes, like better known as like sneaker bots. Those had their own market as well. And they were really high demand. I and see. Yes. Yeah. So like a sneaker I've bot. Heard of those. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So like a developer of like a high demand sneaker bot, he'd make this code and he'd release 20 keys of that code publicly to people to try to go for. And it would sell out in like, you know, fractions of seconds. And then they'd resell for thousands of dollars. It's like a really intricate business Holy. model. Now looking back on it, I know why they would make it like that because it would be kind of like false sense of, of a low quantity and then they would do a yes, lot of the distribution limited on the back supply. end. Sounds familiar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I started to randomly hit like big paydays. I remember it so vividly and I actually have a, I used to make YouTube videos. So I kind of like documented that really early on journey. And it's like really cool looking back sometimes and, and watching it. But there was this one opportunity. And I remember I had like $600 to my name and there was this bot and it was like a $300 retail and it resold for like two, 3000 bucks. And it was like a oh. first come first serve release. I like had to make a new Apple ID. I had to make a new email, like all this stuff. And I went for it and I got it and it's all recording. I'm like freaking out, jumping around my room. No way. I got to see this video. It's really funny. If there's screen share on here, I can share my screen too and show you and like skip to the right part. So at this point, how old were you? At this point, I was 15 years old. How many views did this thing get? This thing has 8,000 views. Okay. (laughs) I gotta see this. 
Exactly. So this is me setting up to purchase the bot. So they had, they tweeted and they go, everyone join this discord for the restock. And it was very, very similar to NFTs, right? This is like the same as if let's say Zagabond randomly goes, all right, everyone join this. We're releasing a new collection. And it's like actually him and not a scam. You know what I mean? Yeah, so exactly. Like in the span of, I think a few minutes, there was 5,000 people in this discord, 2000 reacts. Yeah. And then I think this is when it starts. So they open a bunch of Discord channels that say not this one. And immediately I'm just like, what's going on? So I start scrolling, find one of them that says this one. Okay. Yeah. Boom. Oh. And there's I a see. link to buy the right product there. And oh, is that their my... way of like stopping anyone from botting it? Exactly. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, put in your information and look, this is this thing's really funny. Click cancel to confirm you're a human. What? Yeah, so wow. they they just got Psych super creative. Out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then from there, I just had my stuff auto filled in, click continue, click submit. Yes, yeah. And got it. So that's like the the checkout page. Yeah. <laughs> and then your live reaction. <laughs> <laughs> I start like running around my room. You can't hear, but yeah, that's that's that was yes. really what got my start. And it's really funny because it came full circle. I became friends with this guy, and he oh. also came into NFTs. And this is where it's like oh my crazy. God. Like, what? This is actually the developer of Raid Party. No, it isn't. You shut your mouth. He's Hassan. No way. That is Hassan, the developer of Raid Party, and also the guy that caught the contract of the dude that locked thirty-five million dollars in his NFT project. What? Yes, it's, that is it's, an absolutely wild story. How right? how did we get into this? <laughs> no way. So then, so did you guys kind of just start getting into NFTs together at that point? So I like he was always like that upper echelon of person in the shoe world, mm -hmm. just because he was yes. a really good developer. He made like the best products. His products would always get the most amount of wow. shoes. And then I got into NFTs afterwards. And I met through another guy from Sneakers. He made an FNF group and Hassan was in there. And then we kind of just became friends from there, like commingled. And it really yeah. brought came full you. So, <laughs> yeah, came full circle. So that is something I'm trying to process right now because yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny how the world works, isn't it? It's just you're, you're doing one thing and then all of a sudden it leads to something that you didn't yeah. think would be the end product. Uh, and you got to meet someone who builds really cool things I, I i'm not i haven't seen raid party in a while now but yeah i mean just the fact that he i think it went down he got to that level yeah i mean yeah. <laughs> but still, i mean he, he he was there he was building it you know but that is that is a, a crazy it was, it was really cool that now. was kind of what my that was like my glimpse of hope i got that and i was like okay this is like real like this making money stuff is like possible yeah you don't have to actually physically you know, do yes. hard labor or anything like that, <laughs> you know, something that you're kind of taught uh, at an early age, but that's the, that's the beauty of um, yeah. your age group is that you get access to a whole nother world on the internet, right? Yeah. And the fact that you got to learn all that from selling shoes <laughs> and how selling shoes leading up to NFTs yeah. and then creating your own project, like this is, yeah. this is a wild turn of events. So so from there, from that moment, <laughs> that that single moment, when yeah. you realized was that was that like the breakthrough of like, wow, I can make more money on the internet 
than I can in real life. Is that what made you kind of? That was, yeah, that was a hundred percent the breakthrough moment because the few months leading up to that, I was reselling shoes and I was making maybe like 200 bucks a month. Right. Right. And yes. it was like, okay, this is cool, but it's not going to get anywhere. And from there, it was like immediate, that was like maybe one of the craziest serotonin dopamine rushes like I'd ever had in life. Right. Like yes. I've, yeah. there were days where I'd make six figures in a day and I didn't have that same reaction as, you know, 15 year old me running around my room, wow. like yeah. going crazy. <laughs> and it was, that's kind of what hardwired to me, I think in my eyes to like, love this, that, that made me feel so good compared to anything else. Whether it was like winning a video game, like getting a text back from a girl, like, I don't know what it, like, <laughs> yeah. it was just like everything. Right. Yeah. So from that point on, I think that's really when I started to dedicate like a ton of my time voluntarily. It wasn't even like, I wasn't aware of it. Like just looking back now, I just would spend my entire life on my computer. And it was always just in these discord channels talking to these people. Cause that's where I'd find all these opportunities. Like I wouldn't sign up for this shoes release, but someone in this discord chat would say, yo, this is releasing in this time. And I'd be like, okay, I'm there. Like super similar culture to alpha groups. Very now. similar. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's why I was so familiar kind of with, with that world. And you know, that there was like a year time frame where I was just solely shoes and things surrounding that, that shoe world. So, you know, that, that scaled upwards. And then one day I like a few of my friends were posting that, Oh, I bought this bot and sold it for this much money profit. Shout out to this group. And I was always like, what are they talking about? Like, what does this even mean? Yeah. And one day I like research into it. And this is when I got introduced to like the concept of payment blocked information. Like somewhat very similar to alpha groups now, right? Like that's it's like a very, you know, very common concept now or like, you know, masterminds or things like that. But that was my first experience of, of gaining awareness to it. And it taught people how to, it was called bot flipping, but pretty much what it was is like spread arbitrage on these softwares since they had their own market, right? So a right, very, yes. very, very similar thing to it is OTC NFT trading or now just NFT trading because of what Blur has done. Where it's okay. like OTC was a lot more similar because it's like you could buy this asset from someone who may not know the market as well for a cheaper price and sell it to someone who may not know the market as well for a much higher price. And then you kind of just, you know, profit off the, that middle part. Or in my case, a, a lot of the time it was just like negotiating skills, right? This person has it listed for $950. This person says he wants to buy it for $930. I reach out to the dude that wants to buy it for $930. I say, yo, I'll sell it to you for $960. I go back to the guy that wants to sell it, say, yo, I'll buy it for 910 right now. And then boom, make the profits in between. Like I was doing this at 16 years old, maybe like eight hours a day, just sitting on my computer, selling, 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 buying, buying, buying. I had softwares that were posting that I wanted to sell softwares that I didn't even own because I knew if I got a buyer at this price, I could buy it from someone for cheaper. And that was my first taste of like real income. Because prior to that, it was like, I had to rely on drops. I had to rely on things coming around, opportunities. Whereas for this, it was like, okay, effort I put in equals output I gain out. Mm -hmm. And I started making like consistent money. I was making, I remember first it was 2020, it was either 2020 or 2021. I think it's 2021. Okay. So right in the thick of COVID, just before. Correct. Yeah. Cor okay. Just before NFTs and yes. like crypto started to pick up. Okay. I like made it my goal that I wanted to make $300 a day because that would be $100,000 in a year. And I was like, I'm going to make this happen. What a goal. And that was like a very cool opportunity because I could control, you know, how much profit I'd be able to, to get on a day-to-day -day basis. It was just purely based off of how hard I work, at least in my eyes. Obviously, there's some luck to it. But I'd like consistently started bringing in 
10, 15, $20,000 per month just doing this one thing. And from there, some, some guy paid me in crypto one day. He's like, yo, I'll buy this from you in Bitcoin. And I was like, okay, like he's paying a huge premium. And I was yeah. like, all right, fine. Like looking back now, it was probably like fucking drug money or something. But like, <laughs> you don't like, know paid, where that money came from. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he paid me through Cash App. I had to open a Cash App wallet and deposit Bitcoin through this. And it was like 1900 bucks. Like two weeks later, I check it because I completely forgot. I was like, oh, let me go cash this stuff out. And the Bitcoin is worth like $2,500. I'm like, like, what? what? I was like, what in the world is this stuff? So hold on, there, hold on. How did this go up? This yeah, I was make like, sense. What? It's like, what is this magical money printer I just found? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, it is magical money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so is that how you got into Web3 then? That was, that was how I got into Web3. Oh my God. And from there, I just dove into the rabbit hole. I started learning about what altcoins were. I started learning about how to navigate Ethereum, everything you know, that comes in between that. And I was just like making big, big altcoin plays. Because at that time, obviously the timing, I was very, very lucky, right? It was right in the beginning right. of the bull market. I yes, was literally yeah. buying Pico bottom and selling into all of the exit liquidity and pump. So I'd be dumping 5Gs, 10Gs, 2000 into all these like altcoins. And I'd be posting my results because they would be like 3Xing, 4Xing in like the span of a couple of days or weeks. And, you know, 16 year old me at the time was kind of just like flaunting it, not even knowing the end outcome of what that would bring. I would just be like, this is fucking sick. Look, I just did this and, and made 10 grand. And people are like, what is going on? Like, what are you what are you doing? I got hired for a group, one of these trading, these these shoe groups to post my crypto information in there. Oh, OK. Yeah. So I did that for around a month. And by the end of that month, I had made the people in that group so much money that I had like over 30 different group founders and job opportunities arise where they're that like, we'll insane. pay you monthly too. Like we'll pay you monthly. We'll pay you even more. Like you could literally just copy paste this information. We don't care. Like we'll like join our group. And I was like, what is like, what is this? And one more thing that was on my, my yearly, my yearly goal was to create a business to help achieve that outcome. And I was like, you know what? Like maybe this is like a cool opportunity to make a business around. So that was the, the birth of my first business called Crypto Club, which was a uh, payment yes. block monthly subscription group for people to learn how to invest, trade, properly do it and safely do it within Web3. Uh, and then so it's subscription based. Exactly. It was $75 a month, $150 up front. And I remember this so vividly. This is when I realized like marketing was like my strong suit and kind of like all the sales experience that I got in the past really played forward to that point because I, I like made this group and looking back, it was, the product was beyond mediocre, like, ter like not good <laughs> at all. It was really? me and like two other people posting, you know, like I just bought this coin. This is what I think it's going to go to. And this is my reasoning. And it'd be like, they have this feature coming out in this many weeks. You know, the market is trending up, like things like that, I right? See. It was just like okay. very, very bare bones. It wasn't professional whatsoever. And on our first release leading up to it, we had like 200 people that I invited just from my FNF for free. Like it was a beta and we're like, all right, we'll release 20 keys and we'll do it through a raffle so we can gauge how much interest we have. And through this raffle, you had to put your credit card information, you had to put your discord. And if you won, you'd automatically be admitted into the group and we'd collect. And so that raffle opened and it was a 15 minute submission window. And this is like, this is when I realized how much potential there was and what I was spending all my time doing. Within that 15 minute time frame, 
we had oversubscribed by over a thousand or 10,000 percent. So there was over 2,000 people that had put their information in to pay me $150 and pay and agree to paying me $75 a month. From that point onwards, it was kind of just that's where everything very much started to snowball. And, you know, it, it was just like, that's, that's where it just very, very much started to grow. Did, did a lot, did a lot of these people come from your, your, your sneaker groups? Yes, it was all sneakers. So I was targeting the sneaker niche and I was onboarding these people to crypto looking back on it now. And, and one thing that's very funny too, is I joined underground recently. And mm-hmm. when I joined, they're like, oh, like someone, someone was like, oh, welcome Wirenick. And immediately, like all the people that were in chat are like, what the fuck? Nick, you joined like you're the reason I'm in crypto. And I'm like, what? <laughs> They're like, yeah, I was a part of Crypto Club for like six months. And I was like, it was, it was crazy. Oh, it was really cool. God. So surreal, I bet. Yeah, I was just like, oh, this is this is cool. <laughs> you know what, what? What really sticks out to me is how you did all that. Not really know. Did you? Okay, wait. How did you learn? How did you learn to put all those things out? Was there someone there, like kind of guiding you through it, or were you? Was it just you did it and see if see if it stuck? So there was like there were some people that were a bit more like experienced than me, right? Like one guy that I saw on another server, like posting crypto information. I was like, yo, you want to join this with me? And I was a, a sole proprietor. No one owned any equity in the company. I would just pay these people's salary. Okay. But that was kind of it. It was more so of me just being so familiar from the consumer side that I was like, all right, this is easy. I just go to look at what other people did successfully and then regurgitate that in my own manner with my own product. And it was like that was that was it. I was like marketing. And marketing is so was easy. your strong suit. Yeah. I was like, exactly. why are people hiring marketers? Like, why don't they just do do it themselves? <laughs> yeah, small minded at the time. But <laughs> Marketing isn't easy. <laughs> yeah, no, now I trust me. <laughs> but yeah, it was just like, okay, this is like, this is straightforward. And it was, I think it really came from my lack of awareness that allowed me to do these things because I, I just didn't know how to prepare myself. I kind of just went in balls deep, did it and learned from there. <laughs> from there, the group scaled upwards substantially. At our peak, we had a, we had over 900 paying members at $75 a month. People were buying Discord accounts for crypto club since it was very limited right i I made it so we released like once every x amount of weeks it would be first come first serve you'd be lucky to buy crypto club that's kind of how i would make the spinoff right also the same you know fomo set like that exact same culture and mentality that's brought into nfts which is why i was also super familiar with it but there were people paying on third party groups etc upwards of three thousand dollars for discord accounts that had crypto club in it and it was, it was absolutely absurd. Like I had friends DMing me. They're like, yo, this dude just DM me asking if I, if he could buy my discord account for three grand because it has crypto club on it. And from there I'm what? like, okay, what is going on? Like this, this is like, it was the most insane thing ever at the time. Well, yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. And from there, like crypto club kind of just like continued to grow. And then I got into NFTs in July of 2021. So it's almost been two years full time of NFTs. And that's when my focus shifted away from crypto club and more into just like, I love NFTs. Um, I love marketing. I like making cool shit. Uh, A lot of people are coming into the space and making cool shit. So where there are people that I think are actually capable, I'm going to try and help. So I actually, that wasn't even my goal in in the beginning part, but looking Mm -hmm. back on it now, right, that's kind of what took place. Got into NFTs in July of 21, had insane trading, right? Like minted 
50 pudgy penguins, minted 10 fuck crystals by fuck render, all these insane things that is just like impossible of occurring right now, right? Someone so, so you them. had a bot to do that. I was just really good at manual. <laughs> I I did get into <laughs> botting later, but at okay. first I would have 20 browsers open with 20 wallets loaded up with one of oh, them. Okay. And I would just go click, click, yeah. click, 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 click. And that would just be it. And I would, cause that was, no one knew what a gas war was. I was like, I had already familiarized myself with it because I'd been using Unisoft. I'd been buying altcoins. I'm like, this yeah, is so exactly. easy. You just turn it up and then you get it. And I'm like, and I'm literally wow. getting every single gas war. I'm like teaching everyone in my group how to do this. And they're making infinite money, right? Because it's just like, the more you buy, that the more you spend. Run was crazy. It was insane. There was like the amount of opportunity that was available was crazy. And that's why obviously there was so much demand for the group I was making because I was, I would be reposting people making, you know, a, a person's salary after clicking a few buttons and everyone's like, what, what am I missing out on? And then they would come to find out that my group is closed. They can't buy it. And they'd go to the open market and they'd, ha they'd end up paying. You so, know. and, and you didn't even have a NFT for crypto club. Was, was it always just strictly that? It was that always sort of subscription. Structure? Yeah. Okay. And like NFT craze came up, people started making token gated alpha groups. And I was like, Oh, I'll try this. Didn't really work out well. Our floor price was like a one ETH, but like, it was like at the time it was, it was just like a really weird concept. It wasn't executed properly on like the solidity mm -hmm. side. I literally just made an NFT and airdropped it to people. And like, it was like, if you own this NFT, you can sign up. Here. So I see. It, yeah, it wasn't like, it, I never really dove into that world. I kind of got distracted because a lot of people saw the success of me marketing crypto club, how much attention I brought, how, whatever it may be. And during that time, I'm sure, you know, like this is like September, October of 21, like everyone and their mother wanted to make NFT projects because you'd see the endless posts oh, of, God, this yeah. kid just made $3 million. This person just made 10 million, like all those things. Yes. Right? Yep. So I had maybe like, this is like an understatement. I maybe had like 10 people a day reaching out to me like, dude, love what you did with crypto club. Would love if you marketed my NFT project. And I would literally hit them with the same thing. I'm like, I don't want to be a core team member on something that I did not like create or that I'm not a actual like mm. operator just because of how much risk there is, right? Like I don't want to, I don't want to kill my brain. I've, you know, lived with my parents. The only luxury thing I could spend my money on is like cars at that. And I'd like, I hate spending my money. Like my life isn't going to change if I make, you know, X amount of ETH on this project, but I'd much rather keep my brand integrity intact. So I declined see. like all of these things. And there were like, three or four offers of like these teams and like there are people I previ either previously knew or like that I could directly reference their history of like what they've done in the past. And I was like, wait, these projects are actually kind of sick. Like, I don't want to be a core team member, but like, I don't want to not be a part. Mm, so I would okay, kind of hit yeah. them with the rebuttal. I was like, yo, I'm down. I don't want to be a core team member. I don't want to be so hands-on since I'm busy with crypto club, but like I'm willing to help around, maybe be like a back-end advisor. So I ended up like getting MNDAs with all of these different organizations <laughs> And I was yeah. like, okay, I'll help you do the right things to create more hype, get in contact with the right people. I'll connect you with who I know, blah, 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 so on. Forth. Right. But pretty much just like an advisor for these, for these projects, like a marketing oriented advisor. How many projects did you end up? Advising? So I ended up doing it for three of them. And it's a okay. bit frustrating. It's like, a, it's a frustrating double-edged sword because it's like on one side of the spectrum, one of the projects 
that I worked for, they, they didn't rug. It's just kind of like a failed project. It's like, they still have like community leaders and like, they still post. It's kind of just like dead and boring and like no one has to care for it. Right. But right. two of the projects that I helped are like very, very, very solidified in the space. Like I'm still <laughs> like own some of them. Like I yeah, still yeah. like I'm close with the team and I'm like, shit, I can't say anything and like get my claim <laughs> to fame because I signed this NDA. But then if I say exactly. for this one, people like, it's like, I'm like, ah, double oh, well. Yeah. So it is what it is, but generally I'm sure they just, got they paid you well, right? Oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was it was it was great payment for. I mean, I I I generally I'm always just like the most perfectionist, so like I agreed to like taking on these roles, and then I ended up taking on like twenty more because I'd be like, this is dog shit. What are you guys doing? This is like that was pretty yeah. much just like I'm sure there was a lot time. of those and. And you don't have the full control, right? Because you're just exactly. And so when you see them go the opposite way of what you're telling them, I'm sure that was quite annoying. And you've had that mentality. You've had that dopamine hit of being able to create something and have it become successful like Crypto Club and wanting to do more of that. I'm sure you just crave to, to, to get that feeling of creating something else. And now we, we move on to friggin' retro hunters and what you're building right now for retro hunters like i'm really curious how how that transition went like what made you decide okay i'm going all in on retro hunters i mean you were you you, you've shown that you were making a ton of money with crypto club you were making a ton of money for everyone else in crypto club so what made that change happen yeah i so what honestly happened was one, I wasn't very like passionate about Crypto Club. Crypto Club came up as like an opportunity because I saw a fit in the market. I was just good at trading and like timing the market and being able to fish out red flags and, and bullshit from project founders and give that to my community. That was like a skill of mine and I was able to get paid off of it really well. But I didn't like love doing that. I see. It was it was kind of like a weird, you know, it, it was like a weird selling loop of like, all right, after X amount of months, it's natural that people churn because either they like either lost interest in trading, they didn't like something that happened in the group, they joined a new group, they left crypto com- completely, they went broke, like whatever it may be. So it was yeah. like a weird, what's the right statement? It, it was kind of just like a weird cycle. Cycle, Yeah, it was a weird cycle of me chasing new customers, maintaining, chasing. I just wasn't really a I huge see. fan of it. And I it wasn't okay. something that like it in my eyes, it was just like, okay, I have cash now. I have money to sustain what I want to do. This isn't going to become that next huge thing. This isn't going to become something I can become notable for and gain the right. you know the notoriety that i'm that i like crave right because as someone that was always you know kind of dunked on as a as a child and you know middle child brother got all the attention blah blah oh, blah okay. i was just Classic, like yes i was like yeah. all right like i don't i don't want to like this is cool it's made me money but like i this is don't this is not where i see myself five years from now like i want to become it's a very mature of you yeah exactly i was just like okay all right i i i didn't necessarily put in the towel i still you know jump on a call with our team 30 minutes a week, check in, make sure everything is doing well. I transferred like X okay. amount of percent to these few admins that were in the group. And, you know, they bought it off and they, they've they been maintaining it since. It obviously hasn't been at its prime since they don't have like that figurehead, which a lot of these communities require to really thrive. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, but honestly, back in, what was it? January of 2022. So like 17 months ago, I was in like this ultimatum where I'm like, okay, I have all of these skills of like how to properly run a attention driven business, right? I've ran crypto club, I've advised for these groups, I've pulled it off successfully. And I was like, my best friend who was also doing 
he was advising a lot of these projects too for their Solidity development. He was very skilled in Solidity development. He used to work at Amazon as a senior engineer. He started starting mining crypto in 2017. He was like my best friend at the time. And we would literally just like, when I wasn't working, it was like kind of back to like playing video games. And we were like, okay, wait, there is like such a huge opportunity in Web3 gaming. This is really cool. Web3, you can own this stuff. There's token gated access points where if you own this, you can play this game and have this character in this game. I was like, this is literally like a feature that there's no way it could fail. Asset ownership is clearly a big selling point. I'm like, this literally would make my gaming experience so much better because there's so many games that I look at that I'm like, I have so many valuable things that I wish I could sell. And there are people that want to buy it, but I can't because there isn't a way to do it. The only thing that did that was CSGO. And there are obviously tons of right. issues with that from it not being on chain and being verifiable and all that stuff. So immediately I was like, okay, let's, let's make this. At the time, there were gaming-oriented projects minting and making eight figures profit like that in a month of marketing. And I was like, this is insane. I was like, let's do this. Let's move forward. Let's get as much content made. Let's make a game and then let's mint. And so I like got on the phone with like tons of game developers. My co my best friend at the time, who's now my co-founder, Connor Price, he used to be like an indie game dev back in like college. So he was e easily able to vet these people and be like, this person's bullshitting. This is not going to happen. Blah, blah, blah. That's helpful. Yeah, That's no, really definitely helpful. very helpful. He, I always like to say like him and I are like yin and yang because he's like antisocial is the least creative human being ever alive. And like, <laughs> he'll, he'll literally agree to that. I'll be like, yo, I got to bounce. Can you make this UI for this website? It needs to have a mint button and a GIF and like make it look nice. And it will literally be a box of a GIF and a box saying mint. And that's it. He'll be like, that's what you said. I'm like, okay. You're never doing anything that requires like creativity again. But thankfully, he's good at everything else that I'm not, that I wasn't really good at at first. Right? Like I didn't understand, you know, Solidity development. I didn't understand a, yeah. a no C safe. I didn't understand any of these things. So now I do, thankfully, after being involved with like the building process for so long. Right. But we like started development and I was like, all right, there's so much opportunity. I'm going to bootstrap the shit out of it and I'm going to, I'm going to mint and we're going to move forward and we're going to make this the best gaming company ever. Because at the time, a big trend was trailers and like storylines. Yes, there were yeah, NFT projects true. that would come up, have a trailer, and that would be their entire marketing thing. And they make like $3 million. And I was oh, like, oh yeah, Easily. I was like, bro, I'm going to combine this with a game, with a dope website, with dope art. And I'm going to fucking blow everything out of the water. I'm going like, to yeah, kill yeah. all the competition. Start spending recklessly to get all this stuff done ASAP so I can move forward. I imagine, yeah. You know, like a couple months in, I'm like 150 grand, 200 grand out of pocket. And I'm like, I'm not even stressing at all. I'm like, dude, these projects are making tens of millions of dollars. This is not Exactly, okay. Market crashed out of nowhere. Like May, I believe it was like May 30th. I forget. I forget the exact reason. It was like a 30% dip. No one was buying NFTs. Like at that time, I just opened the Discord and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, do I, do I stop? Do I go? That must and, have been so stressful. Yeah. I, Cause at that time I had already, you know, put so much money into exactly. like creating this. And from there, it's just been like a huge, I, I'm sure you've heard this tons of times, right? Like startup culture. It's like what I look at, what I was building back then compared to the efforts I'm putting into now, it's like completely different worlds. Like we're now focused on like creating community oriented events that make mm -hmm. these people that are potentially buying our NFTs feel special. So that way, you know, they, they, they're as trusting as possible when it comes to minting. And then when it comes to holding, we're making these experiences so that 
they love the time that they spend here because in reality, it's just like NFTs are so experiential very, that very, if you look yeah. at the top performing projects beside Bored Apes, even Bored Apes do that now, right? With Dookie Dash. But if you look at the top performing projects, they're not the ones that have a $200 million venture capitally backed product that's available mm-hmm. and yeah. are making their holders as much money. It's like, which ones make the holders feel as cool as possible? And I was like, okay, so we're going to be making this and we're going to be doing it with a game. But since there's already so much competition in like kind of that world of just being experiential, I'm like, let me make up for my lack of being a first mover on the side of the product. So in the behind the scenes, while we've been making all these cool experiences that are revolving around games, artwork, lore, everything, community, yeah. we've been having our AAA contracted studio working for the past 14 months on our actual game that we're going to bring to market and use as a way to both scale our IP, scale revenue as a company, bring in even further institutional attention and everything that comes beyond that. It's a it's a strategy-oriented auto chess slash auto battler style game, similar to something like Dota, but simplified so it can reach the masses. And yeah, so we're planning on, in my eyes, you know, now 50 minutes into the interview, yeah. this has been like one of the most fun combos ever. It's like, I love it. Eyes, I love it, like, man. <laughs> in my eyes, it's like, all right, Web3 is like the most intense incubator ever, right? Oh, if you see a Web3 startup succeed and continue to succeed, it's like these guys are definitely capable enough to pull it off in, in Web2. So I'm like, all right, Web3, I'm going to tackle it. I'm going to use it as the best platform for building a community, creating diehard backers of what I'm making. Okay, yeah, feedback the foundation. Loops. Yeah, exactly. And then from there, I plan on scaling that, leveraging the foundation to Web2, making it a mobile free-to-play game with in-app purchases, and then trying to dominate there, leveraging the foundation that we've generated through Web3. In the meantime, though, we've made multiple mini-games. And you know what? If someone's listened in this deep, I'll, I'll share the alpha, right? We're making a skill-based reveal that starts the day of the mint, right? So you mint your NFT, it goes, congratulations, you've minted your NFT, now continue and you'll be able to control the outcome of what your NFT becomes. And you have to stake, whether it's soft staking or hard staking, you're given the freedom because I don't want people to be like, why am I staking this? Locked NFT? in. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like give them the freedom to do whatever they like. And then from there, it's like you create an experience for them off rip. Like day one, I was talking to Dem and I was like, how do you build a community that trusts you long enough so that you can actually go out and do crazy shit like you guys have done? And he's like, it literally is all a trust and experiential thing. If you get their trust, then you're good to go, right? And he's like, think about yourself. He's like, why do you hold Nazuki? I'm like, because you guys have delivered for like a year straight and I'm able to reference that and it makes me feel comfortable buying a $50,000 profile picture. And he's like, exactly. And I'm like, wait, so like off rip, I'm just going to kill it, kill it, kill it, kill it, kill it. So then from there, these people are like, all right, there's no point in not, there's no point in selling this, right? They've never failed on delivery. They've executed They've made these things that made me feel great because I play and I get rewarded, whether it's like monetary or not. And then from there, it's just like in the background, we're managing our game team to make this killer product that yeah. they're also going to have that benefit too. So you have like a, a big whole team. world of everything. You have a big team to be able to accomplish that, right? And and that's, I, I love that you can recognize that, okay, this is what I'm good at. So I'm going to get an, uh, a set of team members who can fill in the gaps. Yes. Me. And I'll focus on this area of, of project. And I actually really, really like to hear that. Talk to them about community and how you get that trust. And realizing that Web3 is special the way it is because 
it's a whole new experience. It's completely different from what you would normally see in Web 2. And this is just, it's, I, I, I like to talk about this a lot, about a symbiotic relationship between um, between the founder and the community, the the actual product, uh, product, the project, everything that they're doing, and then the community, right? Yes. As the community builds and grows, so does the project, right? Yeah. They, as, as much as they build and grow, well, the community continues to build and grow. It's, it's just this symbiotic relationship that continues to push each other forward if you can get it right, if yeah. you can get it right, right? So there are a lot of things when it comes to Web3 gaming, and it's, it's a very tall task because, you know, <laughs> not many have made huge strides in recruiting and onboarding web two users yeah so so your your focus right now is developing a foundation from web three how are you going to transition that like in your mind what does that transition look like onboarding web two people yeah of course so in my eyes i'll I'll explain how we're going to market in web two obviously briefly just because you know that's Mm, a few months away and nothing is set in stone but in my eyes the way that i look at it is right like imagine D gods goes out and they make a software or something that their users could use. And it wasn't web three oriented, regardless Mm -hmm. of it not being web three oriented, all of their users are going to flock to it. They're all going to promote it. They're all going to post about it. They're going to talk about how good their experience was because, you know, they own a part in D gods. D gods have made them feel special for the past X amount of time. They've had dope experiences. They've listened to Frank talk for hours on end. And they're like, I love this. I'm going to support whatever they do. So that's kind of like the first foundational part. Of yes, or okay. like go to market strategy with with web with web two specifically. Second is we in, in our case we're we're building a product that one fits into asset ownership because in my eyes strategy games have like the biggest call for asset ownership because there are so many different things that you can buy yes. that give you an advantage whatever it may be whether it's aesthetic or not. That is all something that fits right up the alley of web three. So one our game fits there and then two our game is kind of like a proven product that is shown to work in web two. So we're going to make the game completely, you know, free to download, free to access. And something that's doing something similar is Grapes right now, but they're doing it a bit different. And their, their game genre isn't really something that I, I personally connect with, but they've been profitable. I think they've made on average like $3,000 a day with their game in the past like week or something. Wow. Yeah. But pretty much like my approach is like this game is free to play. We're going to be marketing it like it's a Web2 game. We're going to be having paid ads. We're going to be having YouTube trailers, all these different things, as well as all of the really cool creative shit that we're doing on the Web3 side. So it's like Web3 is literally just a creative's playground. And this is going to be web-based, right? So it's actually going to be a mobile game downloadable. Ooh, okay, Amazon, okay. Right? So really targeting kind of like the masses of, you know, people in my age demographic, whether they're, you know, 10 years old or whether they're 30 years old, right? Building a platform for them to enjoy. And from there, it's going to be a free-to-play game, right? This person sees an ad of Retro Hunters. They really like it. They download this game. They can start playing off rip. They don't even know what Web3 is. But what we're going to be tracking on the back end as a company and where a lot of our tech stuff comes into play is these certain metrics and, and KPIs, right? How many hours have you played? How many days do you come back per week? How many dollars have you spent? In the world of mobile gaming, 92% of people on average in a micro in a free-to-play microtransaction environment don't spend money. So you really just want to focus that bottom of the funnel of the people that are spending wow. money because those are the people that are going to, you know, fund the business. So we're going to be matching all those, you know, tracking all those KPIs. And at that point, if someone reaches a th- certain threshold, 
we then begin to prompt them. We're like, hey, you own these amount of assets. You've spent this much time playing the game. Thank you for your amazing feedback and playing and, and whatever it may be. Now, would you like to follow these steps to be able to trade these, sell these, involve yourself in a community of players that love this game and so on and so forth. And from there, you're targeting the people that are actually going to be beneficial to Web3 to join. And they join for an organic reason, right? They join because they want to be part of a community of people like themselves who love this game and already have an emotional connection to the game. They join because they want to trade their assets for a cooler skin or whatever it may be. And at that point, that is my path of completing the circle of life within Web3, where it's like Web3 builds a foundation. And then from there, that foundation allows you to go and kill it in Web2. And then from there, you focus the bottom of the funnel in Web2, bring it back to your Web3 and keep that lifespan, just continuum and, and make it like, of course, yeah. scale. Whereas on the other side, not actually other side, like board Apes, like on the other side of the spectrum, <laughs> if you, a lot of people always say like, oh, we're making a free to play Web3 game. We're breaking down the barrier of entry. Like, no, you're not. Like if I go to play this game, and I have to, and even me, someone who lives on Web3, lives in MetaMask, if I have to transfer like ETH to Polygon to play your game, I'm never going to touch it. Like, it's just not going to happen. No, if, absolutely. Imagine if someone else who's never known what Web3 is, doesn't know the benefits of asset ownership, doesn't know the benefits of community, whatever it may be, they get an ad for a game, they like it and they go to play it and they have to make a wallet and deposit ETH, which takes them to verify their Coinbase and every, it's just like- It is a mess. You're not getting anything done. So in my eyes, it's like make the foundation as good as possible. In the meantime, make everything on the back end prepare for that movement forward because you know I have the consumer psychology of both sides, right? I've been a gamer my whole life and I've been mm -hmm. a Web3 enjoyer my whole life. So so I kind of know how to target both of those things and hiring the right smarter people in those other aspects that I may not have experience in in the past, whether it's, you know, running gaming ad campaigns, animating, creating content, right? Things that we've done in the past for retro owners already just on a more web to less intense scale. So yeah, that's kind of like the go to market strategy. And it's all just like a circle of life of providing value back to your initial community, making them feel special. So that way they never want to sell your asset. And that's like, yeah, <laughs> you you have, I can tell that you have really, really thought this thing out. Yes. And you're doing, you know what, and I'm not gonna lie, like this is this is this is really insane to me because this is how you should really build in Web three is focusing on and and Z has said this quite a bit focusing on the early adopters you know yes. focusing on them and focusing on not so much rewarding them but giving them a really good experience because then they stay and exactly. I mean that's why we still have our Azukis right uh, but I'm also really interested in the fact that you can. You're, you've thought about bringing not not like everyone to 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 Web three, you know. You're the not people that to actually like, matter and would the people that matter who it. play the game, enjoy the game. You know, focusing on those people because those are the people who will be perfect for yeah. the Web three environment as it is right now. Because obviously yeah. things can change. And sorry yeah. to cut you off, but one thing that I think is like is really funny is like everyone like begs for mass adoption, but they don't realize we had mass adoption a year ago and that's not what we need. Mm. We just need people that actually make suitable products that the masses enjoy. Because if people yes. like Web3 for the sole purpose of trading NFTs, making money, being ex liquidity, whatever it may be, there's no, there's no progression. We're not going anywhere. No, we're exactly. not going anywhere. So like begging for mass adoption isn't really the right approach in my eyes. It's like, okay, have these people make these things that the masses enjoy without even knowing it's Web3. And at that point, that's when that circle of life really continues. And you being a part of this community that just successfully did that 
and is now being rewarded as a part of it because you know you're at the top of the food chain within that ecosystem that's i think in my eyes peak of web3 progression you know what it's i really like the way you've created like a philosophy around it first you know you're not just trying to jump in and try to mint mint out and then and then build the <laughs> game i mean like you said earlier you you've been building this game for 14 months that's a long time, man. That is actually quite a long time. I mean, not a bad thing. That's because yeah. it takes it takes that long, right? To to build a game, a good game, yeah, a good game. Exactly. That's the thing too. And the thing is that people do get addicted to mobile games. Like, it, there's a market for it. So, so if you can just market Paper. it properly, and you know what, things are gonna just get easier, anyways, in the the crypto environment, right? Hopefully in the future, you don't have to create MetaMask. You, gotta, you don't have to yeah, KYC or you don't have to go to an exchange and the on-ramps, off-ramps is going to be way easier. And do you agree with like not branding it as um, a web like, game? Like, yeah, and like yeah. NFTs. How do you plan to market it to the web two people? So, I mean, the only thing that we've seen really done properly on like a wide scale of asset ownership is is uh, Reddit NFTs with like digital digital yes. collectibles, right? You'll see people with Reddit digital collectibles that are on chain talking shit about NFTs and being like, "You're so stupid, you own an NFT." <laughs> when they're, it's you know, it's like, it's like okay, uh, I think you should take a look at your avatar there. Exactly. So, I think the phrasing obviously will help. I don't think there is a need for Web3 games. I think there's a need for games that have Web3 involved in it, right? Like okay. Fortnite doesn't need to be a Web3 game. But if you could own your skins on Fortnite through blockchain, that would be fucking sick. But for, for us, obviously, we're going to start in that Web3 gaming path because, you know, we're using that as a way to build foundation. But it's not like our end goal because no. there's no scale with that. You're only catering towards the 10,000 daily active wallets on Ethereum, like you're going to go broke. <laughs> yeah, not very many people here right now. <laughs> exactly. So you're not going to go to the app store and download Retro Hunters to be like Retro Hunters NFT gaming. It's just going to be Retro Hunters, a strategy-based gaming company, a, a strategy-based game. And then you play it. And then sooner or later, you'll be prompted with, hey, do you want to own these digital assets that you can sell? Yeah. Sure. What's an NFT? No, they don't. they don't need to hear the phrase because what comes to mind is, uh, bored donkey llama club like they don't they don't care about that that's not important it's no. the it's the tech and what it brings to them and what it brings to their experience and yeah, how it makes how them feel that's really important how, can you think of any games that came out of nowhere but everyone just enjoyed it and can you yeah. kind of think of how they marketed it and do you think you could replicate that marketing can you think of any games that have done that? So recently, in terms of mobile games, the one that just like comes to my head is Genshin. Their their way of approaching it may not be too morally correct. If you're not familiar, there it's kind of just like an anime, like free free yep. world type game. I've seen it. And then you know the the way that they monetize is through like it's solely gotcha. I'm pretty sure. Don't mm, quote me on that. I'm okay. pretty sure it's solely gotcha. So. Really just like a lot of gambling mechanics makes people addicted to trying to get rare, rare things. Yes, and yeah. you know, that's that's what made them. I think it was three billion dollars in their first year, which is yeah, like just obscene. insane, insane. Yeah. And they continue <laughs> to develop and make more money. Exactly. It's, it's and I don't even think that had that many users for how many how much money they were making. I think they had like like some some low number compared to the revenue. I think their average spend per download was like ten dollars which is fucking insanity but uh, i mean the most recent example 
in my eyes of like a game that actually just went crazy viral was Fortnite, but they were also the first to a trend of that like free to right free to first play, mover. Right? Yeah, yeah, they were they were really big first mover. And in my eyes, right, I I, I want to become a gaming giant. So I'm like looking at all these different gaming companies. I'm like, they were first mover in this, whether it's gambling, whether it's downloading it for free, whatever. There aren't many first mover opportunities left, but owning the shit you play as could be another one of those examples. So, you know, hopefully leveraging the foundation that could, you know, potentially be that opportunity of quote unquote replicating a, a viral experience where it's like, imagine you're playing this game and you you defeat its enemy and you win this asset that's you know a few hundred a few thousand dollars and they sell it they're never going to stop playing that game because it's kind of like a reverse version of genshin where it's like you get rewarded for spending money but in this you get rewarded with an asset that's valuable that holy shit i just made this much money playing this game i didn't even want to make this much money but i did now let me keep playing it so there i think there definitely is viral opportunity and if you look at dookie dash dookie dash was mentioned on tiktok so much right mongrel made a million dollars you could have made a million dollars if you played this game blah 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 blah. but imagine if that experience was leveraged through all these people that actually made money too right because they'd be telling their friends and their friend posted tiktok my friend just made two grand playing this game my i just made 300 bucks playing this game and i didn't even care about making money when i first down like things like that it does open the door for virality I think you kind of just have to feed into it and know what you're doing in that realm as well, which thankfully I used to be a very avid TikTok consumer as well. <laughs> oh, there you go. So yeah. you know the market. Hey, it's part I, of the I, job. Am, I was the market. Exactly. And you, you need to be in the market to really understand, okay, what yeah. works and what doesn't. So it's, it's, it's all part of the process. So end goal retro hunters is just going to be this, this mobile game that's good in the game itself and the playthrough itself. And the unique aspect marketing and everything that comes along with it. Exactly. It's going to take time to build and yeah. you've been building for quite a while. So, so it's, it's a long journey, but I think with the knowledge that you've gained in this space and the drive that you have, dude, if you, if you can time it right and yeah. get everything in order, but obviously it's just, it's going to be tough, obviously with like the market, the way it is and all that. I think the fact that you understand that you need to focus on community too, even in these times is, is really key. And that's, that's amazing, man. Just continue to have conviction in your ability to build and focus on creating a great game man. 100 percent. that was uh that was a beautiful <laughs> monologue there you go literally it's the the, the the change of dynamic of me monologuing every second <laughs> well it, it means that you're passionate about what you're doing and what you're building so you know what what, what kind of brought you into zuki like what what yeah made you say because obviously you clearly have an eye for good products yes so what really kind of dragged you into Zuki? so this is actually a really funny story at first it was the artwork and i i saw this trait that i'm like this is literally this looks like me but with anime eyes like it's <laughs> literally me but with anime i'm like Dude, that's so sick. At the time, Azuki's were like, I think 25 ETH or something or 35 ETH. And I was like, this is not. I could sell a bunch of shit and buy it or like whatever. Like I could spend $100,000 because that's what it was in like the, the ETH conversions. Prior to that, I had like traded here and there. Like I'd done a couple of like flips or like bought right. for 11 over the counter, sold someone for like 12. But I'd never been like very involved. And I my story is like really, I wouldn't say taboo, kind of taboo actually, <laughs> but really unique. 
the day that the Zagabon FUD dropped okay, of yeah. him kind of being, you know, exposed for everything, the floor crashes. But besides the floor crashing, I saw that. And as someone who had been through, you know, the trials and tribulations of advising on different projects, helping on different teams, I saw that and I was like, wait, dude, this is bullish. Like this dude must have so much more experience than the next guy. This guy may know a little, a few more things about driving demand, NFTs, distribution, holder base, et cetera, than like the next. So I was like, all right, I see this is bullish. I go shopping and it was just like luck of the draw. The one that I really, the one trait that I really, really liked was on the floor for like, I think it was 10 ETH and, you know, a day early was 18. And I was like, boom, buy it. And from then I've just been involved ever since. I actually don't know when exactly it was. I think it was over a year ago. I ended up recently selling that PFP that I bought a year ago. Oh, okay. This is actually an even funnier, like super coincidental story. A lot of I get an offer here. one day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll show, a, I'll send a flick of this one really quick. This was my old Azuki. Yes, that was. Yeah. And the hair trait is the one that I like was obsessed with because when I don't have my hat on, it's like my hair is mirrored to that, like puffy, whatever, <laughs> boom. And... I'm like on my phone one day and I get like, I'm on the way home and I get an offer at like 11.30 PM for like four ETH over the floor. And I like immediately, like I've, I've been involved in the space. I immediately look at it. I'm like, this is a scam. Like this is a scam. OpenSea email. Like no one's doing that. And I was like, let me just double check. I go on the OpenSea app and I look at my thing and I look at offers. It's like best offers, 17 and a half ETH. And this one, the floor is 13. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm like, what the, that's, that's a lot. So I click on this guy's profile and I look through his, through his collection and he has like, five board apes 25 azukis and i'm like oh shit this is real yeah i'm like all right let me get home and fucking sell this shit so i could just buy a floor one because it's not even my profile picture anymore yeah if if it was still my profile picture i think i would have had a lot more sellers remorse or maybe not even have done it but i'm like all right this isn't my profile picture i don't give a shit what my azuki looks like i just want to be continue to be a part of azuki yeah so i'm like all right let me get home and sell it i find the guy's twitter i dm him like yo like saw your offer would love to do an otc deal I'm sitting there for like 30 minutes waiting for him to respond. I was like, all right, I don't want to risk this not going through because he offered that same offer on like seven other NFTs. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was the ones with the ninja samurai armor. That's what he wanted. super unique. And I'm like, like super, like this is never going to happen again type shit. (laughs) No, no, no. So I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, all right, I'll just take the hit. Let me sell it. Accept the offer. I'm like, oh my God. Like I just got paid eight grand on top for having like a cooler looking NFT. Like this is dope. And like 30 minutes later, he responds. He's like, hey, like, thanks for taking interest in my offer. Would love to make something happen. I'm like, yo, like, you already bought it. Like, like you're so rich. He's, you don't he's even too, know you he bought. doesn't even care. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I got it. Nice. Next, on to the next like, one. I was like, yo, like, I already accepted the offer. And I was like, I didn't want to risk, you know, it being accepted elsewhere. Took the, I'm going to take, you know, the money on top of the floor price and like pocket it and reinvest the floor back into, you know, a floor Azuki. Because I'm like bootstrapping a startup, like whatever, would like to have as much capital as possible. Of course, yeah. Like literally with nothing shill oriented in mind. And he goes, oh, that's dope. Like, what's your startup? And I was like, oh, it's like a Web3 gaming company. Here's the Twitter. He's like, this is super sick. I'd love to learn more. Would you want to schedule a call? And I was like, sure. Okay, yeah, why not? And he's like, can my team join? And that when I saw that message, I was like, like, what what does that mean? I was like, "What what are you talking about? So I like look at this guy's bio and he says like, like VC participant. So, so he runs like Azuki Philippines or he's one of like the founders of Azuki oh, Philippines. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, like what the fuck is going on? Like, how okay, it just happened. Shit, this is a, this is a VC deal. Like, okay. I get on the call with this guy, talk to him. I, it was kind of the same mic drop moment. I'm talking to myself, I'm talking to them. 
like this is so sick like everything looks dope the art is awesome blah 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 and then something came up he's like oh like how old are you and i was like oh i'm 18 and, just, and like their conviction just went from like there to there and they're like what? They're like what like let's get in touch and they're like they're like we love we love to connect blah 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 so that was that was really cool i've had a connection with them them their team Part of their team has been helping a lot with like our content, how we're moving forward. Ah, wow. Kind of preparing ourselves for venture capital funding, institutional backing after Mint, because my whole goal with Retro Hunters isn't to make like as much money off Mint, right? Like me having extra 200 ETH isn't going to like do anything, but it's going to be like, okay, I can now present this to people, institutional investors and be like, look, see people like this. People want to buy this. Now the floor price is at this, the community is at this. We have this many holders. Now let's now let's get the real money to make this stuff happen. Yeah. So and they're they're helping immensely with that, whether it's like providing or connecting. So super, you know, one off crazy opportunity that like insanely lucky. But, you know, I guess I put I put myself in the universe in that position to get lucky by buying an NFT when this guy yep, came out exactly. as being a serial scammer. So hey, you got you got <laughs> to think about that. Sometimes the world just works that way and you 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 yeah. get lucky but you gotta be good to be lucky you know you gotta be yeah, good to you, be lucky you gotta, you gotta put yourself in the position to get lucky to exactly. get lucky in the first place you know you're not gonna exactly. get lucky what playing fortnite all day so <laughs> <laughs> no and that is very true and great advice for anyone who's just playing fortnite right now <laughs> while listening to this podcast but yeah man i i mean it's uh, we're we're an hour into this i think we'll we'll, we'll start to close this down so before we do though, okay. I just want to know what would you want to say now knowing that you have an insane amount of love for the way that Azuki has built their product and you know learning that community is very important and all that. I, I want to know is there anything that you'd like to say to the Azuki community, the ones who are listening who have made it all the way here? Yeah. For those that are, you know, actively a part alongside of myself and, you know, Ren Ren and everyone else listening, you know, it's it's really dope. And it's gl I'm glad to see that you guys also have kind of an eye for that same talent and potential within the community. Because that's really what, what brought me to it. I'm like, this is this is something that could reach a much larger scale, regardless of the approach they take to achieve that. And, and yeah, I'm just super glad to be to be a part and having been a part for the past year. I've taken so much inspiration from their team, whether it's how to execute things, how to properly build up, you know, suspense, how to release information in a fun and interactive way, how to get your community to love you as passionately as, you know, Azuki has done. And yeah, endlessly kind of thankful for that within the web3 space. I don't I don't think there's another community that kind of compares. I know I've mentioned a ton of other founders and mm -hmm. you know, praised yes. them throughout this even, right? Like Lucanets, Frank, Ray, I don't think I mentioned him, but they're they're all they're all really, really well and, and great at what they do. I personally just have more conviction in kind of the Azuki team for for you know many reasons or slim. It that's that's kind of just how it is. And and it's one of the only like blue chip quote unquote projects that I that I'm a part of and I, <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't think, think so I picked either. wrong. <laughs> it's, 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 it's told the tale to, to survive yeah, a lot it's, better it's than, through than a the rest. Lot to be able to survive and become what it's become. Right. It kind of reminds me of like a Phoenix rising from the, the ashes, you know, how, how we were dead down and out, but somehow through the sheer will of a lot of the community members sticking to Azuki, right. Uh, yeah. They brought everything back to life and, the Yuzuki team ran with it and continued to develop cool, dope fucking shit. So I'm excited to see you at, exactly. at Vegas 
and thank you for coming on to the podcast. <laughs> you really instilled a lot of of your short amount of experience at such a young age. So so thank you for coming and and just spitting out your knowledge and having your monologues because I love what you're doing. Keep it up, man. Stay yeah. steady, and all the best of luck to you and. Retro Hunters. Much love, brother. Thank you for thank you for having me. Thank you for giving me the platform. Thank you for the opportunity. That's super dope. And you know, I can't. Yeah, same thing. I can't wait to see you. I think it'll be a really cool opportunity hey. to to meet everyone in person and Hell yeah. connect behind the PFP. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Thank you for listening to another episode of Behind the PFP. If this is your first time listening in, I implore you check out my other episodes it's been an absolute ride in learning to become a better podcaster and i'm internally grateful to those of you who listen if you've made it this far dm me if you want to join my little community over on discord you can be a part of the process in creating bean blitz suggestions or help just vibe with others who enjoy the content i hope you enjoyed this episode as much as i had recording and editing it I can't speak enough to how smart this young man is. I will continue to cheer him on as he fights through the battle that is the bear market. Please check out the show notes if you would like to see what Nick is up to these days. And with that, I'll catch you on the flip side.